This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious sometimes, eat it all when we used to tape together, but not right now. And you can't have any unless you make some at your house, too. Yeah, no, the you can't have any is truer than ever. It's true. I, like not we really even leaned I can have into any. that part of the slogan. Yes. Right. No, I, well, I have a bottle of Worcestershire sauce. Matthew, which is, I have one, too. And I, oh. I have... I have a big surprise to share about this. Okay. When I pulled is it, it out, is it going to be a mystery that I have I to solve? When I pulled it out of the fridge, first I started thinking about. So this is a bottle of Lee and Perrin's Worcestershire sauce. And Mine is too. When I pulled it out, I started thinking about how sort of like old school the the label is. Like I think this label it, has been the same since I was a child. Oh yeah, for sure. And the and the bottle we'll talk about this, but the bottle comes wrapped in paper, which is very luxurious. So then I started thinking about God. I want. I don't remember buying this. Like I wonder how long <laughs> I've had it. And Matthew, so they've printed the the expiration. I don't know if you can see. It's like printed over the one of the framing. Yeah, I can't read uh, it. Like, okay, I can well, see so that it, it's there. It took me a while to read it too because it's like over a line of copy. It says Best Buy. Oh, this went over the line. Are you ready? I'm ready. This is Best Buy (gasps) 03-21-08. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) Oh, I want you to taste it and see what happens. No wonder I don't remember buying this. I bought it at least 13 years ago. Yeah, you were a child when you bought that. Was like... What were you even thinking? What does a baby need with need with Worcestershire sauce? I am forty one now. I was. I know. I was no older than twenty eight <laughs> when I bought this. Isn't um, this amazing? Oh man, that is wild. So mine, I, I bought this one recently because like we had had some, and I think like we threw it out in a purge at some point, but then we needed some more. And I think we we why did we decide to do this episode? We, Worcestershire sauce no came idea. up on the show last week for some reason. Anyway, what so, did we? Ta- um, oh, last week we taped. Chex Mix, and that Chex often Mix, has which is made Worcestershire, with Worcestershire sauce. sauce. There, there we, go. we go. So this bottle expires uh, May 26, 2021. Everyone, uh, listeners, I'll put that on your calendar and send me <laughs> send me an email on uh, May 6, 2021 to tell me to uh, to 
to immediately go out and purchase a new bottle of Worcestershire sauce. And how much of it have you used? If I actually get one of these emails, I'm going to be so happy. An oddly large amount. And I don't remember what we got this for. I mean, we couldn't have gotten it that long ago because it isn't expired yet. I'm really excited to do this episode because I've used less than half of that bottle. I remember what it's for. Oh, and so like this is the second Worcestershire we've bought recently because I bought the store brand trying to save money. I know I, I told this exact story last week and it was not at all the same thing. Like the ingredient list was completely different. The flavor was completely different. Just get the Lee and Parents. We'll get into it. We're, we're going to learn so much in this episode. I'm excited. Yeah, so I um, remembered what what I've been using this for. It is Kenji Lopez Alt's homemade barbecue sauce. has oh. like several tablespoons in it, I think, of Worcestershire okay. sauce. We should definitely uh, share that recipe because I think June would be into it. I think my whole family would like it if I would do more things with barbecue sauce. I, I don't know. Yeah, and this me. homemade barbecue sauce is really good. I feel that it's, it's like borderline un-American of me to to do as little as I do with barbecue sauce. Yeah, well, we, remember when we did the barbecue sauce episode and like, I think I think you really ended up enjoying the barbecue sauce a lot more than you expected. Yeah, yeah. Which in was fact, really vindicating for me as the yeah. barbecue sauce person in the family. Yeah. Wait, are we a family now? Oh, that's yes. right, we're married. Oh, but we're <laughs> still right. not married. We're still, we're still not married. There, Molly, families come in a lot of different forms. Maybe you oh haven't heard. God, I should know. Okay. <laughs> okay, so... Let's talk about Worcestershire sauce, shall we? Wait, we haven't done memory lane. Let's go down memory lane, shall we? <laughs> okay. Wait, do you do you mean that memory lane is going to be something completely separate from talking about Worcestershire sauce? Because I want to suggest that this being the Worcestershire sauce episode, that we go down memory lane and talk about our memories of Worcestershire sauce, not just general memory lane. Oh, okay. Okay. Can I start? You may. Well, so one of my memories is that at some point, probably in 2007, I made something with Worcestershire sauce. And, <laughs> and, um, and I, so I bought a bottle of Worcestershire sauce. So that constitutes part of my memory lane. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that counts. I remember this being something my parents always had in the fridge door. I think that my dad used to use it in, in hamburgers. Like, I think he used to mix it into the ground meat. Does that sound right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, I mean, it is well, we'll get to this, but it's it's an umami delivery system. That's okay. why it exists. I think that that is probably why my parents had it. Maybe my mom also used it in meatloaf. Yes, it, it is definitely a classic meatloaf edition. Yeah, so I think of it as showing up wherever ground meat can be found. Um, I bet... I don't have any Worcestershire sauce memory lane, by the way. My memory lane is is a week ago. We taped an episode and started talking about Worcestershire sauce, and we were like, let's do a Worcestershire sauce episode. Do you and, remember and, your parents having it, though? Was this like oh, something yes, that definitely. was always in the fridge? And I think, I think this is maybe like the most interesting condiment that is widely found in American pantries. Oh, now that you mention it, I'm willing to buy that, in part because it's sort of this like mystery bottle. Like, yeah. It, nobody really knows what's going on in there. Nobody but, ever goes in and nobody ever comes out. No, but this during this episode, we're going to take you on an incredible journey inside a Worcestershire sauce bottle. Everyone's going to get really tiny. We're going to. It's going to be like Magic School Bus. It's going to be like Magic School I Bus or Inner bus. Space oh, or yeah. Incredible Journey. Let's or, talk again. No, Fantastic mm -hmm. Voyage. Okay. We, we've made this mistake before. Incredible Journey is a movie where like some animals cross America to get back to their owners or something. And Fantastic Voyage is uh, something where people get small and go inside a human. Well, I'll be Ms. Frizzle. 
<clears throat> uh-huh. And I will be Dennis Quaid. People people have been writing uh, Mrs. Mrs. Frizzle, Dennis Quaid, uh, erotic fan fiction for so long. And now we're going to act it out. Uh, okay, so... Oh, oh, Dennis, is that the throttle of the magic school bus? Or what do I do with this stick? No, Miss Frizzle yeah. knows how to operate the magic school bus. What am I of thinking? Of course, yeah. What would Dennis Quaid say? This Come isn't on, like a away. speed situation where... You know, Sandra Bullock suddenly knows how to drive a bus, and yet, and and Keanu yeah, Reeves nope. is like helping her drive the bus, even though he knows no more about bus driving than she does. No, I would like to take back what I just. I would just like to take back my Miss Frizzle impersonation because yep. Miss Frizzle is a total super person who definitely knows how to drive that bus. If you yes, know what I mean. Yes, that's true. I definitely know what you mean, and and the. <laughs> The bus, I mean, is the, the, the bus magic is, is, school bus. Yes, is which is found in Dennis Quaid's pants. Um, okay, so what is Worcestershire sauce and where did it come from? I feel like every time you do research for the show, you get the full story. Like, you know, be probably because you've solved so many mysteries in your life, you, you really know how to dive in and bring back the goods. Whereas every time I try and do research for the show, I come up with like, well, I learned some things and like raised more questions than I was able to answer. I feel like that's exactly what I do too. So once again, we're we're married, we're not married, and we're the same person and we're not the same person. So go on. But we are a family and we are Ten- Dennis Quaid and Mrs. Frizzle. <laughs> and this is our curtain call. Uh, okay, so let's start with Lee and Perrin's, which is, it's a brand synonymous with Worcestershire sauce in the same way that Heinz is synonymous with ketchup, I feel like. You know, there are other brands we'll get into, like Worcestershire sauce refers to a wide variety of different things now. But if you get something other than Heinz ketchup, people are going to be like, really? If you're like me and you try and save $2 by buying the store brand of Worcestershire sauce, you're going to get home and be like, why? Mm-hmm. Um, so Lee and Perrin's did not necessarily invent this kind of sauce, although they may have, but they popularized the term Worcestershire sauce. They may have coined the term. And according to the Lee and Perrin's corporate history, Lee and Perrin's first launch in Worcester back in 1837, I'm reading from the website, when local chemists, John Wheelie Lee and William Henry Perrin's, which are great names, Mm -hmm. uh, concocted a new condiment, which after 18 months they found had matured into a delicious sauce. So delicious, in fact, that they decided to put it on sale. Mm. So when they say chemists, I think we're talking about like pharmacists. Hmm. Do you think that they did this on purpose? I'm glad you asked because... If they were chemists, this seems a Mm -hmm. little bit like outside their usual daily routine. And to wait 18 months for it? Yeah, I think this dates to a time when like a pharmacist, a cook, and a doctor, and a pastry chef were all kind of the same thing. And you could just kind of float between those professions and uh, no one thought it was weird. Whereas now, like if my doctor brings me a milkshake, I'm like, should I drink this? Mm -hmm. And I mean, of course, I'm going to drink the milkshake. So there is an apocryphal or there are actually multiple apocryphal origin stories for Worcestershire sauce. The best known one is that like they mixed up this sauce, they tasted it and they were like, yeah, this is gross. Let's leave it in our basement for 18 months. And and then 18 months later, they had forgotten about it. They were puttering around in the basement looking for Erlenmeyer flasks or something and found this sauce. And we're like, oh, let's taste this old sauce that was bad the last time we tasted it. And then by then it had fermented and matured into a delicious, uh, you know, mellow, well-harmonized sauce. 
I don't think this story is true. To be clear, I can think of plenty of people, not going to name any names, who would definitely mix up a batch of something, taste it, decide it's terrible, and leave it in their basement for 18 months. I can sure. definitely think of a lot of people who would do that. Yeah, where I can definitely story... think of one person that you're thinking of. <laughs> where this story gets really <laughs> tricky for me is that they tasted it again. Right. But... I, you know, I think these were, these were sauce, you know, mad sauce scientists, Mm -hmm. I think. I I don't, I don't think this was just a thing that happened accidentally. Like, you know, this is our first time making sauce. Whoopsie. What do you think they were aiming for when they made this? Like, what do you think they were trying to do? Okay. So I think they were trying to make a tasty sauce. And I think I, you know, I think I understand like where the, the components of the sauce came from and the idea of like, yes, you. So I want to know like why it's this particular sauce, because for instance, like there's so many other tasty sauces like Bernays sauce or well, I think Bernays uh, sauce is harder to, I think or, both of those are much harder to bottle. Or mayonnaise. Like why this sauce? What did they want to do with this sauce? So I think the idea of long fermented sauces was well known already. So, so the idea of leaving a sauce to ferment in order to improve the flavor and keeping qualities was, was not a wild idea at the okay. time. Okay. In particular, so like soy sauce was well known. That's a that's a fermented sauce. And there are fish sauces going back to ancient Roman times. Yeah. And Worcestershire sauce is a fish sauce. Like the main oh. umami component of Worcestershire is anchovies? Is anchovies. And also also soy sauce, which has like now been replaced with hydrolyzed vegetable protein, but a, a source of MSG. So there is clearly some relationship between old school European fish sauces and Worcestershire sauce. As far as I've been able to tell doing minimal research, fish sauces, which are very similar to Southeast Asian fish, fish sauces, were popular in Europe from like ancient Rome to like the 16th century, then kind of declined in popularity and then sort of reappeared appeared in the form of Worcestershire sauce. Interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. Huh. Yeah. So the other component of Worcestershire sauce, like there's there's a bunch of things in there. Like let, let me let's just look at the uh, the ingredient list here. Distilled white vinegar. This is the American version which is slightly different from the from the English version. Distilled white vinegar, molasses, sugar, water, salt, onions, anchovies, garlic cloves, tamarind extract, mm. natural flavorings, chili pepper extract. So tamarind extract, I think clearly came from India. I was going to say that this is like a real spice route in a bottle. Spice route. Yes, it totally is. And in there, fact, there's so much stuff in here that would have never been found among the native plants of England. Right. So there is, like I said, a second apocryphal origin story for Worcestershire sauce, which is that a British aristocrat returned from India and like went to his local chemist, Lee and Perrins, and said, can you recreate my favorite chutney that I ate with fish? And they were like, well, I mean, maybe it was tamarind and maybe there were some anchovies in there. And I don't know, let's put this in the basement and see what happens. Also, definitely not true. But tamarind chutney would have been already known in England, and there is clearly some sort of lineage there. Wow. All right. This is interesting. So this is is a very cross-cultural sauce. This is a sauce that is the child of colonialism? Yes, it is. 
Yeah. And like I said, there was soy sauce in there too. So it was really a matter of like, these guys were like, here are some like tasty, intensely flavored things that we know about. Let's mix them all together and see if it's good. Let's try fermenting it and see if it's better. I think that's I, the whole story. I love this. I'm, I'm, I'm getting this now. I understand what's happening. And Matthew... If you were going to take a whole bunch of flavors that you liked and put them together and then ferment them for 18 months in your basement, oh, what would they be? Oh, that is such a good question. Okay. So peanut butter, first okay. of all, lime juice. What was I saying? Oh, uh, jalapeno, like pureed jalapenos. Okay. Sour Patch, like the just the the um, <laughs> the powder that falls off of Sour Patch Kids. I don't want like actual chunks of Sour Patch Kids, but like that citric acid powder. Okay. Um, and some some sort of brown sugar. And wow, this is essence of Matthew's palate. Yeah, what else do I like? I don't know, like like red pepper flakes. Oh, I like the sound of this. I, I don't think fermented peanut butter is probably a good idea. I well, don't know. And I feel like I'm we would have heard of it. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine the collision of peanut butter and citric acid powder. Yeah. And that just seems pretty iffy. But hypothetically, when I think about all these flavors in my mind's mouth, it sounds pretty nice. It sounds pretty good, right? I'm into it. How about it. you? What, what's, your, what's your Worcestershire sauce? Oh, God. Okay, so this is really tricky because while I think I am more condiment friendly than you are, like mm -hmm. you are still a bit of a condiment phobe, if I if I may put the words in your mouth. Oh, yeah. Or are you just going to say cranch? No, 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 no. <laughs> Wait, what is cranch? It's uh, ketchup uh, and ranch. We did an ad for it once. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't want that. I still struggle to think about, like, I'm still not a real condiment person, and it's hard for me to think about bringing together flavors with the purpose of putting it on something else. Do you know what I mean? I sort of know what you mean, except that is a thing I do all the time. That's true. That's like, actually I, how we cook, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> That's yeah, what's, um, oh, the, that's what cooking is. I don't know about is. you, Molly, but the way I cook is I like to take different <laughs> ingredients and put them together oh and then God, eat them right. as if they were one thing. Yes. Oh, wow. I'm I'm learning so much with this episode. Sometimes uh, like I take a noodle and I combine yeah. it with a tomato and you won't believe what happens next. <laughs> wow. Have you ever tried when you when you have your tomato noodles? <laughs> tomato noodles, call we call those. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you ever tried taking some ground beef? Shaping it into spheres oh. and putting it in with your tomato noodles. I have heard of beef spheres, I just and I've been wanting to try them. <laughs> I just made this up. Wow. Okay, the origin story of beef spheres happens, it happens right here, and no other ingredients, right? No like salt or seasonings no. or any kind. Just a literally a sphere of beef, <laughs> and you just put it raw it's in just... with your tomato noodles. <laughs> this is cooking. And by the way, my tomato noodles, like it, you, there's no cooking involved. It's just a, no. like a whole tomato with like a penne sticking out of it. <laughs> and, oh, and then you then you impale the beef sphere on top of the oh, penne. Yes. Oh, and it looks like a little snowman, only, only the so body cute. is a tomato and the head is beef. And that's what we call cooking. <laughs> that's what we call cooking. This episode is brought to you by Town Place Suites by Marriott. Whether you're traveling for work, need a place to stay while your home is being remodeled, or maybe you're just enjoying a relaxing week away, well, Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Yeah, so they've got a full kitchen, 
Uh, they've got – you can borrow appliances. Like if you want a blender or a slow cooker while you're traveling, you can borrow <laughs> it. No charge. Uh-huh. So like you could invite your friends or your coworkers over for like a post-meeting drink. You can bring your pet Totally allowed. Oh, I love this. Oh, I see. They even have special pet items you can use. And they have the built-in Alpha closet system. Nothing makes me happier (laughs) when I am traveling and I have, like, a place to put away my clothes. Mm -hmm. Molly has seen what happens when I don't have a place to put away my clothes. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody. Nobody. Yeah, so, like, a whole closet system where I can really, like, unpack for reals. I am down. Well, this is made for you then, and this is Town Place Suites by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I realize now what uh, what an idiot I am to be like, oh, so I don't know how to take different flavors and imagine putting them in something else. Oh my no, God. no, I know okay, what you mean, but then like, like making it into like a spread to spread on something kind of, yeah, right? Or like drizzle. Yeah. yeah. I think that I would love to, I, I'm kind of amazed you didn't include kimchi in yours or like. Oh yeah. Like, I made a like really the, good the kimchi fried rice the other night. Juice from kimchi. Yeah. I feel we, like that there would, would definitely play... be kimchi juice in there. That would play really well with your peanut butter and I think with your citric acid. Yep. Plays well with peanut butter. That's what I always said on my report cards. Yeah. Okay. All right, Matthew. Let's let's move on. What, okay. Uh, so, okay. So, can you just tell me again what's in this stuff? Just recap it one more time. Okay. So, like most bottled sauces, it's mostly sugar and vinegar. And then, in addition to that, onions, anchovies, garlic, tamarind, natural flavorings, chili pepper extract. Okay. And in England, the only difference between the American recipe and the British recipe is the British recipe has malt vinegar instead of white vinegar. Mm, That seems like a good idea. It sounds good, right? Yeah. So, wait a minute. Okay. So, you went to the store and you bought, like, generic store brand Worcestershire sauce. Yeah. How is it that that could be different from Lee and Pear? I mean... It didn't have fish in it, for one thing. It didn't It didn't have fish or tamarind. It was just sort of, like, sweet and sour sauce, basically. So what is Worcestershire sauce? Can you divorce it from Lee and Perrin's? That's a good question. Let's talk about that. So Lee and Perrin's puts Worcestershire sauce on the market in 1837. And in 1876... The high court ruled that Lee and Parents did not have exclusive rights to the term Worcestershire, and it went into the public domain and has been a generic term ever since. Hmm. And as a result of that, not only can you get crappy store brand Worcestershire sauce, but there are a variety of related sauces and sometimes really tangentially related sauces around the world that are called Worcestershire sauce. And, for example, in in Japan, Worcestershire sauce is something a lot more like tonkatsu sauce. So, like, like thick and fruity. Lee and Perrin's, like, and, and, uh, like, there there are, you know, regional variations around the world. And, like, there'll be, like, a a local brand that's very popular that may be more or much less like Lee and Perrin's. Lee and Mm -hmm. Perrin's itself is super popular in El Salvador, where it appears on most restaurant tables. Um, It's called uh, uh, Salsa Perrin's. Okay. And uh, per capita consumption, at least as of the 90s, was the world's highest. Half a bottle per person per year. 
Wow. And so uh, so there it would be like just shaken onto mm-hmm. ready to eat food. Have you ever done that with Worcestershire? I haven't done with- that. And I don't even know if I've ever tasted it straight. And so I'm, I'm pouring a little into a, into a dish and I'm going to try some right now. You want to do it? Okay. Yeah. Hang on just a sec. I mean, I feel like mine is a whole other experiment because my Worcestershire sauce expired 12 years ago. Was it in the basement? It was in my fridge. Okay. I bet like whether you refrigerate your Worcestershire sauce is something that uh, like if you did a poll, an online poll, people would have strong opinions on. I don't think it needs to be refrigerated. But if you're going to keep it- I guess I've always refrigerated it because my parents did. But now that you mention it, it doesn't say refrigerate anywhere on it. No, and it's got a ton of salt. Mm-hmm. And yet it still says 80% less sodium than soy sauce. Oh, I didn't notice that. I don't. Well, that's what my bottle says. So then my again, bottle, bottle as, we've, as we've determined, is no, it still says 80% less sodium than soy sauce. Interesting. And you're, you're supposed to shake the bottle. Did you do that? I did not. Hey, look, I don't play by the rules of some dead English guys. I make my own rules. And you don't play by the rules of expiration dates. We're rebels. We are like hardcore rebels. How is it? You know, I'd like it to be saltier, actually. Yeah, I can see that. I, th- I think mine is very tasty. It's very tangy. It had um, a moment of spiciness to it that then yeah. passed. And now the spiciness is gone. And I'm left with this sort of residual, fruity, vinegary flavor. Mm-hmm. I can totally get how it this could be like a cousin to tonkatsu sauce. Okay, you know you know what this is very similar to in flavor and, and kind of viscosity is uh, Chinese black vinegar. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's got that fruity, fruitiness and, and acidity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a, and a touch of funk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and, and also, like, just tasting it reminds me a lot of eating Chex Mix because it is really a distinct flavor of Chex Mix. Yeah, yeah, totally. So what do you do with this now? Clearly, I'm not doing very much with it, given that I still have this ancient bottle. Do you think so, I should go put this bottle in my basement? I think you should go put it in your basement and come back to it. We'll we'll, we'll do another Worcestershire episode in a couple <laughs> years or eighteen months. Is that how okay, long they've yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, and we'll uh, we'll see if it's matured. Great. Uh, we'll we'll also, we'll see if we've matured. Not likely. <laughs> no. No. Um, okay. Can, wait. So I I do want to talk about like what to do with Worcestershire, but also like I learned some more information about Lian Perrins and competing okay. sauces. So okay. first of all, in in England, Lian Perrins is literally made in like right in the middle of the city of. Worcester. Where is awesome. the city of Worcester in England? I don't know. Some somewhere in the countryside, maybe the the okay. Lake District. Maybe it's in the Lake District. I love that. Um, and so they put Shire on the end. Well, I think the Shire is like the county. Okay. And Worcester is this is like the county seat. I thought the Shire was where the hobbits live. It is. And they work like a lot of hobbits are employed at the at the Worcestershire sauce factory. Lee, Lee and Perrin were and parents were actually hobbits. I forgot to mention that in the corporate history. The American version is made in Pittsburgh. Does your bottle say that it's from Pittsburgh? Mine says Fairlawn, New Jersey. Oh, interesting. So mine says Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hmm. So maybe maybe they have like a, a network of factories or maybe their factory has moved. I don't know. Mm-hmm. The The American one comes with the paper-wrapped bottle, which the English one does not. I think the paper-wrapped bottle is a great marketing innovation. I'm surprised we don't see more paper-wrapped bottles because it is, when you see it on the shelf, it's like, I want one of those. The only thing I can think of, it, well, it feels very like uh, apothecary. Yes. Uh, like branding. That's um, what they were. They were apothecaries. 
They probably helped out Romeo and Juliet once upon a time. Probably. No, I think about different types of bitters often come wrapped in paper. Yes. And those also come in these kind of like plain brown bottles with sort of off-white packaging. Underberg comes wrapped in paper, right? Doesn't it? What is Underberg? It's an herbal digestive. Oh, okay. Uh, it's a di- digestive bitter uh, okay. made in Germany. But yeah, That makes it, sense it, based on the name. Yeah. So I guess all these things that are sort of maybe that like have kind of a history in the apothecary world. Yes. Uh, or the the oh. old school chemistry world maybe come wrapped in Can we join paper. the apothecary world? Yeah, let's do it. I mean, I guess, I guess that was like sort of like a it, Williamsburg-y thing to say. Is it like an island I can hop to in Animal Crossing or? Oh, are you playing Animal Crossing? June is playing Animal Crossing and has been teaching me how. Oh, I want to uh, I want to know your world cuz like I've been hearing like everybody on every podcast I listen to has been playing Animal Crossing. I don't have a Switch. So I would June, consider getting one if I need to get on these islands. Brandon bought June a Switch and it comes over to our house sometimes mm-hmm. when she comes to our house and I have to say I I really enjoy it. I still don't really get it. I mean, it's very satisfying. I crafted my own fish pole recently in Animal Crossing. I I haven't yet gotten to take it for a spin and actually catch any fish. But I can see how I could spend hours roaming around on this island shaking trees and getting tree branches. I I thought you were going to say shaking trees and getting fruit, but you just shake the trees and like get tree branches for making... Well, if you go shake a tree that doesn't have any visible fruit in it, sometimes just leaves will fall out. Sometimes a tree branch falls out. You should pick that up. And sometimes a coin falls out. You should definitely pick that up. Oh, that's usually... Wait, the coins are bells? Are they bells? I think they're bells. I'm very new to this. But anyway, June just had a a house built in Animal Crossing. (laughs) Yeah. And it seems that my family is just enacting in microcosm what we've been doing in real life for the past few years, which is that we're we're all stuck on the same island. It's uh-huh. called Dino Lancey. <laughs> and, and if I if I walk a few blocks, there's my ex husband's tent. And here's here's our kid's house. And oh, my this new is great. spouse also has a tent on Dino Lancey. Oh, you're going to have to just like and, uh, turn June's Animal Crossing world directly <laughs> over to her therapist, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Anyway, and there's like a dog that walks around with a, a net and his name is Mac. And it's just like my real life. <laughs> when you say a dog that walks around with a net, what does that mean? Or maybe it's not a net. He walks. Is No, his name is not. I can't remember if his name is Mac. But anyway, it's a dog that walks around and he's holding something. And I can't remember right now. But anyway, everybody, this is another one of those situations where all of our listeners are going to be screaming at their phones while they listen. Yeah, but. they probably have the same dog on their island. But this is this is like a pop culture phenomenon that you know way more about than I do. It's shocking, isn't so it? So that's, that's good. You know what I realized as you were talking? Isn't it funny how a fishing pole and a fish stick seem like they would be the same thing but are totally <laughs> different things? Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> one, more, one more fact. 
Uh, okay, first of all, Lee and Perrin's Worcestershire sauce is gluten-free. I learned that. There is a competing sauce in the UK called Henderson's Relish, which is the most English thing I have ever heard. It sounds delightful. It's not It's not a relish in the sense of like a chunky condiment. It is, it is a bottled sauce called Henderson's Relish. I think that someday there's going to be a horse in the Kentucky Derby named Henderson's Relish. I think doesn't, you're absolutely doesn't right. Doesn't it also sound like a horse's name? It does, yes. Like a racehorse's name. Oh, yeah. And Henderson's Relish by a head. Yes, I bet on Henderson's Relish to, <laughs> relish to win, place, or show. <laughs> Great. Okay. All right. Nice all job right. with win, place, are, or show. We are horse experts. And animal crossing experts. It's all related, yeah. really. You know more about horses than I do, more about animal crossing. Like I, I feel like this is- This, this is, is my episode. This is my this moment This is your episode, and this is my moment to, to learn. Yes. Okay, things you can do with, with Worcestershire sauce. So, mm-hmm. like I said, it's a, it's an umami source. It goes in Bloody Marys okay. very commonly. I, I, nev- I never make those. We, we made them for the Bloody Mary episode. That's the only time I've ever made one. It was and okay. It was delicious. Why don't I keep doing that? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, okay. It is a very common ingredient with uh, in uh, Caesar salad dressing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Where where it's like taking the place of where you might use like anchovy paste or or mm. just canned anchovies. Okay, but you can spike your meatloaf or burgers or or anything meatball meat uh, beef spheres. Oh, beef uh, spheres. <laughs> wow, I almost called them something weird. <laughs> It can go in any soup or stew. I, I read a bunch of things saying that it's that it's really good in lentil soup, which I'm sure is true. Oh, yeah. God, that sounds great. And it's a common ingredient in cocktail sauce, which we talked about a lot yes. on the shrimp cocktail episode. Oh, this is all making so much sense to me. Now, having said that, am I going to be using it frequently for things other than barbecue sauce? Probably not, okay. but it was nice what, to learn about it. Well, we should definitely link to Kenji Lopez-Alt's homemade barbecue sauce. Yep. We'll link to Lee and Perrin's corporate history, Okay, which is like cool. one page on their website. Okay. I wanted so much more. Like, I feel like if someone is going to go, like going to take the time to go to your corporate, like the, the or our story page on your corporate website, they don't want like the, the 30,000 feet version of your story. Like they are clearly some kind kind of big nerd and they want like all the details sometimes corporate sites deliver and like Mm -hmm. you find out like who was on the board of directors in 1947 which is what i want to know but often like the the lee and parents one it was it was disappointingly shallow like this shallow dish of worcestershire sauce that i poured maybe we should pitch ourselves as copywriters to them they're gonna love us they're They're gonna send us so much free worcestershire sauce i can't wait they're gonna really love the part where where at the end we say are we gonna be using worcestershire sauce very much (laughs) now probably not Okay. All right. Well, Matthew, we should remind everybody that we still have a great new podcast out there that's free for listening. It's called Dire Desires. It's a podcast about life lessons from classic erotic thrillers. And you can subscribe and listen right now, diredesirespodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It features not only me and Matthew, but also host Abby. I mean, mm-hmm. who, who used to be, well, who on this show is <laughs> producer Abby. I know it's really tricky. It's We've very given complicated. Her a, a, yeah. a new host producer Abby title. Anyway, we should also thank Abby. Thank you, Abby Circatella, for producing this episode as well as every episode of Spilled Milk. Uh huh. You can find us online at spilledmilkpodcast.com, where we'll have those links to the barbecue sauce recipe and the Lee and Parents website. You can find us on Instagram at Spilled Milk Podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Spilled Milk Podcast. Tell us what you do with with Worcestershire sauce. What's your fantasy involving Dennis Quaid and Mrs. Frizzle? Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, let us know. If, or if you or want, any classic characters. If you want to write a whole script, we will consider acting it out for you. Oh, that's an interesting idea. P- that like someone is going to send us just like the most depraved script and we will act it out for them. Yeah. I mean, we might not act it out and share it with you guys, but we'll act it out here in my closet and Matthew's dining room. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Okay. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So okay. so start sharpening your script pencils, everyone. Okay. Start, start booting up final draft. Great. Um, all right. Well, thank you for listening to Spilled Milk. You know, we should come wrapped in a cool paper bottle. We should. I was going to say that- I mean, a paper wrapped bottle. We should come wrapped in paper. We should come wrapped in paper. I'm Matthew Amsterburton. <laughs> I'm Molly Weisenberg. Molly's in the hallway hunting for breakfast. Hunting for breakfast, indeed. What if it was missing and you had to solve the greatest mystery of your life? Oh, my breakfast? What if my breakfast was missing? Exactly. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.